welcome to the Managing the Smart Mind podcast with your host, Coach Kramer. This is episode 44, a mini course in emotional agility, part five, in which everything comes beautifully together. Hello, smart human. How are you doing? doing pretty good. Welcome to this final part of the mini course in emotional agility. I know it's been a lot, but this stuff is massively important. I think they should even teach it in school, for example. But since that isn't happening yet, if you're homeschooling, you know what to do. Um, Here we are. So today I'm going to bring all the things you learned about your emotions and how to manage them in the past four lessons together and show you how to integrate them and apply them in your daily life. Because it's all very well knowing all this stuff, but of course, it's completely useless until you apply it. I'm going to give you a decision tree for emotions. I fucking love decision trees. They're so fun. As well as my shortcut for emotional management. So stay put. But first, a quick reminder of where we're at. In part one of this course, we looked at the neuroscience of emotions, how they're created and how they shape both you, you, your experience and your future. In the second part, we focused on the importance of creating a healthy baseline for emotional well-being, how to do that, and what your options are when an emotion arises in your body in that moment, right? What can you do to alleviate it, change it, whatever? In the third part, we explored how your thoughts color and contribute to your emotions and how to be more intentional about that. And in part four, you learned about solidified stories. So fun. Thoughts that have become patterns and create the same emotions over and over again. And by the way, of course, if these create a very positive result in your life, you want to keep them, right? You don't necessarily want to go change them. Now, today I'm going to take you through some real life situations where emotions arise and show you the different options you have dealing with them. And to help you do this, I've also created a workbook to go with this course, which you can download using a link in the show notes. I really recommend you do this. You'll also find an outline of all five episodes as well as transcripts and a handy overview, right? The decision tree, you know, I love me visual. Um, which will help you decide what to do with your emotions when they arise. It's a handy guide. So if you're not driving or doing something else, why not go and download it now, right? Pause the podcast and go download it. It will be massively helpful. And if you're driving, do not worry. Just listen to me and try to visualize as we go along. I want you to picture a bubble with an emotion in it. It's vibrating a little, right? Emotions are kind of energy expressed through your body. So this is an emotion arising, it's bubbling up. Now, whenever this happens, and it's important or intense or different enough for you to notice, because of course, emotions arise all the time, then in our little decision tree, you go to step two, and you ask yourself, Given the current context I'm in, 
Does this emotion seem appropriate? Right? We have this bubble, the emotion arising, and you think, huh, does this make sense? Right here, right now. Let's say you're burying your cat, for example. I certainly hope not, but let's say you are. You feel deep sadness. I would consider that emotion appropriate, and you may too. Although I can't stress enough that the answer to this question should be a personal choice, right? Not one determined by societal or cultural values. We have enough trouble with that as is. So if the emotion does seem appropriate, if you're like, yeah, I want to cry when I'm burying my cat, then you move on to the next question in our little decision tree. Is this emotion a response to a shock to my nervous system? For example, were you scared by a loud noise, a traumatic experience, like witnessing an accident or something like that? Did you suddenly, I don't know, out of the blue, someone pushed you? If the answer is yes, first order of business is to do anything you can to regulate your nervous system. Do like animals do, right? Shake it off, roar, sob, cuddle up against a loved one hit something, not a person, don't hurt yourself, but do anything that feels like a good way for you and your body to allow your nervous system to settle. You can also use the emotional processing technique if that feels appropriate in a situation, but usually in these situations, you really want to get very physical. Okay. If the answer to that question is no, your nervous system has not been shocked, right? The emotion does make sense, but it isn't like this big scare or big thing happening. Then you have a couple of options. And my preferred first step is, as you probably know by now, to simply note the emotion, to notice it. Let's say you're grieving the end of a relationship. Simply noticing that you are experiencing sadness can create the space you need to properly grieve. So instead of constantly saying, I feel sad, which has the potential to call in all sorts of thoughts that try to make you feel better or judge you for feeling sad or, you know, even both. You can simply say to yourself, I notice sadness. I notice sadness in my body or just sadness as if you were labeling items for storage. Now, after that, Once you've created that space, if you would like to clear up at least part of the emotion, you can go on to allowing and processing it. And this is what podcast episode 16, what you can do to feel better, explains in detail. And yes, I've included a transcript and summary of that episode in the workbook I mentioned above. Okay, so if we're going back to our decision tree, Starting with the emotion hovering in a bubble, we now have gone down one step, answered the question, does it feel appropriate to me in this context with a yes? And then kind of gone left right, in our tree and explored two options, dealing with a shock to the system and when that's not applicable, allowing and processing. Okay, now we're moving on to the opposite answer to the question, does this emotion feel appropriate to me in this context? Uh, no, or no, not really. And 
Remember, this is your answer, not someone else's. You maybe feel anxious about flying and be totally okay with that. But if the anxiety is interfering with your desire to travel the world, and boy, do I know about this, I was terrified of flying and wouldn't get on a plane for over 10 years. Ask me about that another time. Then the answer would be a no, it does not feel appropriate. Or maybe you're building a business and part of that is speaking to groups of people, which causes you a minor level of anxiety. You may decide that that's perfectly okay and to be expected. In fact, this level of anxiety for you is exactly what you need to energize you and help you focus during the talk. But if the anxiety completely paralyzes you, makes you nauseous, uh, makes you not sleep for weeks, etc., then I'd put it in the not appropriate in this context bucket. So we're now at a point where you are experiencing an emotion that not only do you not like it, it also feels inappropriate in this specific context. Now, the first thing I love to do in cases like this is to keep it very simple. So I always ask myself, is there an easy fix? (laughs) Is there a shortcut? I mean, I always think like, even when I had my business as a photographer, I always used to say, listen, I'm a very lazy photographer. And yes, I work very hard, but I don't want to create extra work for myself, right? So when I'm taking pictures, I want to do it in a way that I have to do the least amount of editing. It's just smart. So same here. Is there an easy fix if you're experiencing an emotion you don't like? Can you simply change your state? As we talked about earlier, right? Like through changing your situation, your setting, using scent. We went over lots of options in the second lesson of this mini course. And if so, just do that, right? Just reset your state rather than dwelling for hours on the how and why of this emotion and how you, where it comes from, how can you fix it, etc., etc. Unless or until it becomes a bit of a pattern, in which case you want to travel all the way to the right and down to the last part of our decision tree, what you do if there is no easy fix and or it is a recurring pattern. So if you can't think of an easy way to reset the way you feel, or you're noticing a pattern, you want to take some time to dive deeper. And if this is not a triggered trauma response or phobia, both of which can definitely be addressed, but preferably by a certified professional, then you want to look at the thought patterns underlying the emotions. And this is what we focused on in Lesson 3 and 4, where we explored both underlying beliefs and solidified stories and how they color our experience and thus our emotions. So there you have it. Create a healthy emotional baseline and then use the emotional decision tree. By the way, I am now picturing a very emotional weeping willow. (laughs) I use the word emotional decision tree. Use it to guide your response to rising emotions that confuse, upset, disorient, or otherwise trigger you. Now, what can this look like in real life? I'm so glad you asked. Here are some examples. Number one, a shock to the system. It was early morning, I'd say around 6am. Both my daughter and I are early risers, so we were downstairs. I was sitting on the sofa wrapped in a comfy blanket, drinking a delicious double espresso with whipped cream. She was at the other end of the living room where we have a massive table and around the corner our kitchen. She'd made a large cup of tea using our cooker, which has like this instant boiling water. She put it on the table, turned around, 
walked about two meters back to the kitchen to get some bread and cheese when we heard a massive bang. Her supposedly heat-resistant Duralex glass had exploded in not just five, not just 50, in what looked like a thousand pieces. There was glass everywhere and not just big chunks. The tiniest needles of glass were embedded in the tabletop where she had stood only a couple of seconds before. If she had been sitting down at the table, her face would probably have been covered with like infinite amounts of shards of glass. This was definitely a shock to the system. We were literally in shock for the first couple of seconds. This is that kind of what the hell moment when your brain is trying to make sense of what's happening. And we were shook. There was a loud bang. There was glass everywhere. It was a shock to both our systems. Definitely not a situation where you want to start working on your thoughts. So instead, after I got her safely out of the glass-covered part of the room, we hugged, we co-regulated, we talked it out, right? We soothed, soothed it, <laughs> I don't know how to say that, our nervous systems. And I then got to the work of cleaning up hundreds of tiny parts of glass mixed with Earl Grey tea. Not the most fun experience ever, but hey, it had to be done. And then I cried for a couple of minutes. It was another way of processing all the emotions. So her emotions of fear, shock, and then in my case, anger, like how the hell could this happen? And then kind of emotional release through crying made perfect sense in this context. We regulated our nervous systems in a way that worked for us. Now, if after this, I would start being terrified of being around glasses of tea all the time, that would not seem appropriate. So then I'd want to do some work, right? But in this case, shock to the nervous system, regulate your emotions, regulate your nervous system and process whatever needs to be processed. Okay, example number two, a unexpected breakup. Let's take a quick break. Hey, smart human, probably listening to this podcast because you want to learn how to manage that smart mind of yours. And the first step is actually getting your bearings, doing a little brain audit. And I have the perfect tool for that, the Mapping Your Unique Brain Workbook. And you can actually download it for free at www.coachkramer.org slash brain map. So that's coachkramer.org slash brain map. Go check it out and play with it and take your first step to managing your smart mind. When someone breaks up with you in a way that you weren't expecting, that can also be a shock to the system, but in a different way. And this is where rather than jumping to changing your thoughts and trying to stay upbeat with thoughts like, 
when one door closes, another one opens, you want to actually allow and process your emotions. It's probably anger and underneath that, sadness. You're grieving the relationship and that is a real biological process. It's not something you are just, quote unquote, imagining. Your body needs to readjust to no longer physically be with that, being with that person. So in this case, you want to allow and process the emotions. Again, check out episode 16 for more info on how to do this work. And no, you probably don't want to do this day in, day out, right? This is the mistake people make. They're like, well, I don't have time for processing my emotions. I need to get to work, right? Of course you do, right? So maybe, you know, you want to give yourself the amount of time every day that feels right and doable to you. It could be half an hour or maybe an hour in the morning and then again an hour in the evening. Allow all the emotions let them move through your body and process them and do whatever you need to, whether it's crying, right, hitting a pillow, uh, whatever works for you. And then when you're done, like maybe after 20 minutes, you're like, I'm spent. I can't do any more feeling these feelings. Then you just take what's left with you. There's no need to push it away or hide it somewhere, right? I sometimes visualize these emotions that I can't process in a couple of minutes or even half an hour as as kind of sitting on on my shoulder during the day. Because if I'm deeply sad about something, it makes sense that I carry it with me for a while. And that in itself is not something that needs to be fixed. It is part of what it means to be human. Now, if you notice yourself telling stories and having thoughts about what this means about you, about your life, about your capacity to have and or find a partner, then that is where thought work could be appropriate, right? If you're like, okay, this means the past five years were a lie or worthless, or I will be alone for the rest of my life, etc., etc. Those you definitely want to investigate, but allow the feeling. Example number three is, I think, something all smart humans can relate to. And that is a very annoying colleague or teacher or family member. We all have people in our lives who have such different values or ideas of what is required of them to do their thing well, that we end up being incredibly annoyed or frustrated by them or both. And this is usually not a situation where you want to sit down and process those emotions, unless that's the only thing that prevents you from hitting them, right? This is where you want, you have like this whole bunch of thoughts, beliefs, this kind of web of rules for other people that you want to investigate. People should do their job well. They should be diligent, right? They should know what they're talking about. (laughs) Does that ring a bell? (laughs) Yeah. And I've talked about it many times before, but Byron Katie's The Work is an excellent tool to do just this, you know, to work on your thoughts about that person and then release them. And it will free up so much space in energy in your life. You can thank me later. Okay. And then a final example, and that is running a business. Because as an entrepreneur, you get your challenging emotions for free. (laughs) So many of them. Because you take risks, 
and your brain will not like that. So I would say this is, first of all, for all for people who are willing to deal with a kind of baseline discomfort, um, they should be entrepreneurs, right? And they may even be able to see this as a kind of flipped excitement. And what other people are going to say, like, or even your brain, you have no idea where that's going to work or whether anybody's going to buy it. And then something in you is like, yeah, I know, isn't it exciting? I'm about to find out, right? So where other people might be like, oh my God, this is, I feel sick. This is awful. You're like, yeah, but it's also kind of fun, isn't it? So if you're able to run with that, then in addition, there's the day-to-day discomfort of things like being visible, risking being wrong about something because you're speaking out, right? Or you're, you're sharing your expertise, making an offer that you don't know anybody is going to buy. And there is many, many more. The list is so long. I always joke that it's actually not a joke. I always say that running a business is the best personal development program on the planet. It really is. If you want to grow, start your own business, seriously. And the better you get at managing your emotions, the easier it will become for you to run that business successfully. So allow the discomfort, get used to it, but only as long as it doesn't paralyze you from taking action, right? A little bit of discomfort is to be expected, but not the kind of, I can't do anything anymore. And when you notice emotions like feeling defeated, feeling stuck, etc., it's time to dive into some underlying thought patterns. What is it that makes you feel disempowered? What thoughts are you believing that are generating these emotions? And are they even true? You could be secretly thinking something like, well, nobody's going to pay 3,000 euros for coaching in a recession. And that thought will definitely create some emotions that are not going to be useful in your business. So your job as a business owner, when you start noticing emotions that block you, is to find those thoughts. And by the way, I'm an expert at doing that in a single session. So if that's something you're interested in, check out the Breakthrough Your Money Blocks tab on my website, right? But find those thoughts and then question them and see if you can replace them by thoughts that will support your business instead. Okay, let's go to the shorthand version I actually use in daily life, right, to work with my emotions. You had a couple of examples to give you a feel of how to handle them in different daily situations, but what do you do when shit hits the fan? Well, (laughs) when something um, frustrating, scary, bad, or otherwise shitty happens, don't start sort of analyzing or changing your thoughts or whatever. Instead, say, this sucks. And give yourself a couple of minutes to sit in the suckiness, to process. After that, simply ask, now what? And then you'll be right on track to do whatever you can to mitigate the situation, right? Your smart mind will figure it out. And without having to expend lots of energy on suppressing your emotions, because you've given them room, you've got to be pissed off for a while. So, my magic formula. This sucks. Pause, sit in it, and then, now what? There you go. (laughs) My emotion, my secret formula for emotional health. Okay, so wrapping it all up. And 
tying it up with a nice bow, you now know an awful lot about emotions and how to manage them. And it's time to put all that knowledge into practice. So over the next week, whenever an emotion stands out, use the emotional decision tree and treat it appropriately, right? Accordingly. And I have to warn you, this can actually result in a massive increase of energy, confidence and calm and maybe even success, just so you know. And don't forget to download the workbook to go with this five-part mini course, which probably doesn't make it so mini, but there we are. <laughs> Link in the show notes. Check it out. Do the work and have a beautiful week. Bye-bye. Hey, smart human, you're probably listening to this podcast because you want to learn how to manage that smart mind of yours. And the first step is actually getting your bearings, doing a little brain audit. And I have the perfect tool for that, the Mapping Your Unique Brain Workbook. And you can actually download it for free at www.coachkramer.org slash brain map. So that's coachkramer.org slash brain map. Go check it out and play with it and take your first step to managing your smart mind. Mm-hmm.